So we're thankful for that privilege this morning. So this morning, uh, we're going to start a new series with you. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I really have no idea how far it's going to go. And some of you are thinking, oh, no, we're going to do the whole seven churches of Revelations again that took like three months um, to get through. I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's going to be that. But I want to share with you about Job um, this morning. Amen. And if you saw the little teaser out there, uh, the title of, of the series is Behind the Hedge, Considering Job. Now, we all know Job's story. We all know Job, what Job went through. We all know that, that Satan challenged God. Or actually, if you read it, God challenged Satan as to why he hadn't considered Job yet, right? And, and then Satan said, well, there's a hedge around him. I can't touch him. Amen. Remove your hedge and he'll, he'll deny you, right? And so we all know that story. And we all know the trial. And we all know the tribulation. And we all know the hurt and the hardship and the damage and everything that Job endured in his testing from Satan. Amen. We need, to, we need to remember that's not from God. God will allow us to go through trial and tribulation, amen, but it is not from God, amen. James tells us that God can't be tempted of evil, therefore he can't tempt us of evil. So when we go through trial and tribulation, it is not God's fault. A lot of times it's our fault, right? A lot of times it's our own fault, amen, but sometimes it's the enemy attacking us or attacking our workplace, or attacking our home, or attacking our circumstances because he wants to derail what God is trying to do in us. Amen? And so we are called to a confident place in the glory of God. Amen? Because we, we, can't, we can't do it ourselves. Right? We can't do it in our mindset. We can't do it in our own understanding. Proverbs says, man, lean not on your own understanding. Amen? But in all your ways, acknowledge him, step into him, grab hold of him, right? Bring yourself into him in his presence and his glory. He will direct our paths. Amen? And all of the things of heaven will take place in our life accordingly. Amen? And so it's that thought, it's that idea that brings me to this idea of, of maybe, you know, we, we talk about Job, we read Job, we study Job, and, and we want to talk about all the pain, and we want to talk about all the destruction, and we want to talk about the bad friends. But I don't ever remember in my lifetime, and I've been, I've been in the ministry over 30 years, amen, and I grew up in church for the most part when I wasn't being a heathen, and for the most part, I've never heard anyone preach or teach or talk about the hedge and what it took for the hedge to be around Job. And so this morning, I want us to stop and I want us to look behind the hedge. And I want us to see a man who did it right. I want us to see a man who said, I am God's if I am nothing Else. So let's read Job chapter 1. It says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And we're going to come back to that because it's, it's the crux of where we are this morning. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance was also 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men 
of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And so thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth... And from walking up and down it, let us always remember our adversary. Mm, I'm, I'm stomping my foot on that one and I'm putting explanation points behind it. Let us always remember our adversary. Let us all remember he doesn't whine and get tired. He doesn't, he doesn't take a day off. He doesn't say for any reason that it's not worth my effort and it's not worth my time. Our adversary is at work and his goal is to destroy. Right? To destroy us. Not to be our friend not to take us to comfortable places, amen? But if we're smart and, and we really analyze who Satan is and what Satan does, and maybe we'll preach a series on that, amen, we will understand that oftentimes he takes us far away from the truth. He takes us far away from God's love. He takes us far away into something that he convinces us is right and convinces us is good, and then he leaves us there. To be devoured in it. That's our enemy. That's our enemy. That's who we're fighting. That's who we're against. That's who gets in our head and gets in our heart. That's who enters into our life with something simple and convinces us that it has no harm for us. But then ultimately it gradually leads us a little bit more every day further away from him. I've been there. I've been there. Amen. I told you I, was, I grew up in church, and, and I learned how to play it. I, I learned how to look it, right? And I've let little itty-bitty things that I thought were no big deal move me far away from God. Amen. Sometimes it's by choice, because I didn't want to do this. And I'm not going to talk about that. Y'all have heard me testify a million times. Amen. But I, I thought I could disqualify myself from what God was calling me into. Amen. And so there was a time in my life I welcomed the enemy leading me away from God. Because there was, that, there was that piece of me, there was that part of me that was thinking, ha ha God, you're not going to get this boy preaching now, right? Because I've got a reputation. I've got something that doesn't look good. I've got something that people can point fingers and say bad stuff about, so you're not going to want me now. Amen? Boy, was I wrong. Because I came to understand that it had nothing to do with me in the first place. It had everything to do with him and his righteousness and his love and goodness for me overcoming all the things I did. Amen. Now, that's not an excuse to do things. Right? Paul says, God forbid. Right? But what that is, is it's a reality that there is a grace and a mercy bestowed to us that will overcome all. All. All caps. A-L-L. Explanation point. Explanation point. Right? All of the wiles of the enemy. 
We will and we can defeat him, but the only way we do that is in Jesus. We don't do that in ourselves. We don't do that in our own thinking. We don't do that of our own understanding. We don't do that of the world. We do it in Jesus. And we are called to that place where in Jesus we step into his fullness. And that's why it's important we look behind this hedge because our enemy is at work. Our enemy is growling and roaring and convincing us to be destroyed of our own devices every day. Amen? And so when God asks, where are you coming from? And he boldly looks at God and says, by roaming the earth. I'm roaming your creation. I mean, do you understand what Satan's saying here? Well, I am roaming your creation and I'm devouring it. I'm destroying it. One by one, piece by piece, I am taking everything you created and ripping it apart. And he is. And if we think about the end of times, and I don't care if you believe it, it's at hand or not at hand or, or whatever, that's not my point this morning. But, but if we talk, think about the end of times, Satan has truly ripped apart the world as we know it. And, and God's intentions for the world, which is why God redeems it through his son, Jesus Christ, and sets up a new Jerusalem. Now, that's an entire other series. Amen. But, but we need to understand that Satan conquers this world. Amen. But God, through Jesus Christ, conquers Satan. And that's where our victory, that's where our refuge, that's where our power and our glory comes from. Amen. It doesn't come from this world doesn't come from this life, doesn't come from the titles and situations of this life. It comes from the glory of God. And that's where we're invited and that's where we're called to. And it's important we spend a few seconds with that verse and that we understand that because you'll never understand the hedge and you'll never understand what happens behind the hedge if we don't grasp our enemy and we don't grasp what he's doing and we don't grasp that he succeeds on the earthly level. Amen? Because that shows us why it's important that we enter behind the hedge. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. You see, God's already saying where the drawing line is. The drawing line isn't here in heaven. You have no authority. You have no access here. But there's none like him in all the earth showing that we can conquer Satan here. Amen. There is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Right? The indignance of Satan to say, Does Job fear God for naught? I mean, for crying out loud, you've given him everything. Has he? We're going we're gonna to dig into that. Verse 10, hast thou not made a hedge about him, Satan still speaking, and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Amen. Satan is giving testimony. We're going we're gonna to work to this. Satan is giving testimony here to God of what God has done for Job because of what Job has become behind the hedge. Are you with me? We need to grasp that. 
God doesn't just pick people and say, I'm blessing him, I'm blessing him, I'm blessing her, I'll bless that one, I'll bless that one. Everybody else can suffer. Right? God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. But what God does is God invites us to where he is, and God invites us into all that he is and allows his glory to fall upon us, and by his glory, we are blessed. Amen? There's so many things that, that in studying this and preparing for this that I think back to financial peace, and I think this is exactly what God says and promises in all of that. Amen? He doesn't promise to make us millionaires. It's not his will to make us millionaires. It's, it's not his purpose. His purpose is that we enter into the power and the glory of God. And when we enter into that power and we enter into that glory, his blessings will fall. And by his blessings falling upon us, we are then endowed and empowered to do the work of God in this place. Through what he's provided. Amen? So it is vital for us to understand that not only is there an enemy, but there is a glory. There is a glory of God behind the hedge that we can find and walk in and live in that will bless our lives. Amen? Amen? Maybe Maybe our blessings won't, won't measure up to Job's. Maybe they'll exceed Job's. Amen? But here's the reality. If you're really walking in that glory, you're not comparing. You with me? You're not comparing. Why? Because you're focused on Jesus. You're not counting your cattle. I guarantee you that when this was written, it wasn't written by Job saying, well, here's how many cattle I had. Here's how many sheep I had. Here's how many this, how many that, how many this, how much money I had, blah, 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 blah. Why? Because Job didn't care. Job cared about God. Job cared about God behind the hedge. Amen. And what he was saying to us through, through the writing of this, or the writer of this was saying to us in all of it, is he was saying that God had blessed him with all of this because he chose God's glory over the things of this life. And you and I know how difficult that is. You and I know how difficult it is. It was very difficult back then. The land of us, it wasn't a pretty place. It wasn't a pretty place. So let me finish reading. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. So God making it very clear to Satan You can touch, you can destroy, you can do what you do to all of the blessing, to all of the provision, to all of the sustenance, but he's mine. Do we get that? Yeah, shout, baby. Amen? Shout. You can have all the stuff because I can replace it. You can, have, you can have all of the things because I can double it. You can have all of the cattle. You can have all of the sheep. You can have all of the money. You can have all the stuff. But he's mine. And I'll replace everything you take. Amen? See, we, what we don't understand about Satan sometimes is he's not very smart. 
right? Because he walked away from there thinking, ha, 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 right? I mean, you can almost see it in what the scripture says. And so Satan went from whence, right? You can just kind of see Satan strutting out of the throne room saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to show God something now, right? And we know the story. He attacked Job in horrible ways. He broke Job's heart. He, he destroyed everything that he had, including his family. Amen? But what he couldn't destroy was he couldn't destroy the hedge. God didn't remove the hedge. God didn't remove the hedge. Job didn't quit creating the hedge. But simply, Satan was allowed to walk around it to affect all of God's blessings on his life. Take them away, remove them to see how Job would respond and how Job would react. That's why it matters that you and I look behind the hedge. That's why it matters for us to see the sustenance of man that Job was. It matters to us to understand that this isn't just cherry-picking a, a spiritual fight for God. But this is God's way of saying to all of us and Satan that a man that makes himself mine, I will hold. Regardless of all of the opposition. I will hold him. I will defend him. I will honor him and I will bless him. But the reality is, the hedge, the hedge, well, that's up to us. The hedge is up to us. If we read this again, and we're going we're gonna to break through it a little, break it down a little bit, but as we read this again and as we look at this again, we're going to find that nowhere does it says God created a hedge. Nowhere are we going to see that it says that God burnt sacrifices. Nowhere do we see anywhere that it says God is too evil. We know God is too evil. Amen. What does it say? It says Job did these things. Job rose up and chose to be God's. Amen? And if we, are, if we are going to put ourselves in a place where God works and moves on our behalf at the level that we want him to, anybody not want God to move and work on your behalf? Amen? No? no nobody? Huh? No, I said not work on your behalf. So, all right? So what, what we're saying here is, is we're saying that I want God's glory. I want God's glory to move on me. I want God's glory to move in me. Amen? Then for that to happen, you have got to bring yourself to Him. You have got to bring yourself to Him. And that's why we consider Job, and that's why we look behind the hedge. So let's look at verse 1. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz. The land of Uz was in the east. It was in a, a torrential place. It was a place where, where money was being made and profit was being made and people were sinning to beat the band. It was not a place where it was easy to be God's. It was in a place where, where it wasn't easy to, to say no to temptation and no to evil. It was in a place where, where we were surrounded, they were surrounded by unrighteousness. We can, we can simply look at Job's friends and Job's family to prove that. Amen? Because when the going got tough, what happened? 
His friends turned on him, but by turning on him, they also turned on God. Those closest to him, in in the midst of his peril, blamed God. Job never did. Amen. His wife, in the midst of the peril and in the midst of, uh, of all that went on, said, curse God. Curse God. Curse God. Choose your partner wisely. Amen. And if you're here and you're single, don't lament that. Don't lament that. Seek ye first the kingdom, and God will give you a bride. God will give you a husband. Amen. Seek that full glory. Seek that full power of God in your life. Walk in His righteousness and the fullness thereof. And when you least expect it, God will give you a bride and God will give you a husband. And together, you will defeat the wiles of the enemy. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, we didn't really do it that way. That's okay. That's okay because we're going to redeem that. We're going to redeem that and we're going to put it all in his hands and allow his power and glory to now envelope you into all that he promised he would do. Amen. So what I'm basically saying is I don't care how you got here, and I don't care how you get here, but I am encouraging you to step into the full glory of God. We see even the closest around Job, when the going got tough, were quick to point their finger at heaven and shake it and wag it and walk away and try to convince Job to do the same thing, to do the same thing. So don't only pick your, don't only pick your spouse wisely, pick your friends wisely. I've told my boys since day one of their lives, it is better to have one or two good, godly friends than to have a multitude of friends that run amok in their lives. Amen? That is a treasure that can only come from heaven. And and don't, don't, don't ever think for a minute that it's worth having all of the accolades of the world but missing out on God for it. Amen. One or two good godly friends are worth their weight in gold. So Uz was a tough place, whose name was Job. And that man, that man, Job, was perfect and upright. Right? Now, this is, this is where we start trying to justify ourselves. Well, wait, Jesus said no, no one's perfect. Right? Jesus said no one is good. Right? So if Jesus said that, how could Job be that? Because Job was creating a hedge. Job was creating a hedge. We find out later in Job, I think around the 6th chapter and also again in the 19th chapter, we find out that Job himself says, I am not perfect by any means, so it is necessary that I bring myself to the feet of God so that he might make me perfect. Amen? So it is up to us to see our need of God. It is up to us to see our need of salvation. It is up to us to realize our need of Jesus Christ. It is a need. It isn't a want. It isn't a convenience. It isn't something that we should ever take for granted. But it is a need. 
Amen. The Bible tells us that he shall supply all of our need, singular, according to his riches in glory. Now, some of you are going to start looking. Amen. I guarantee you, if you're using a newer translation, it's going to have needs on the end of it because that's the way we've been saying it wrongly for all of these years. If you go back to early translations, it says need without an S. And that's because our need is Jesus. Our need is Jesus. Our need is redemption through and by the blood of his cross and the resurrection power of his glory in the tomb that it might revive us and lift us a new creature in all that he is. Amen. Job realized his need of God and he beckoned to it. He beckoned to it. He starved for it. He worked for it. He knew he needed it, and he pursued it. And by doing so, he found perfection in it. Amen? He didn't find perfection in himself. He found perfection in the glory of God that was manifest upon him because of the sacrifice, the fleshly sacrifices that he made. Amen? So when we look behind the hedge, we start finding and we start learning that it wasn't just Job getting cherry-picked. It wasn't just Job, amen, looking the part, wearing the right clothes, saying the right things, presenting himself right. Amen? There's a whole lot of great orators in this life, but there's not a single dose of anointing on their lives. Amen? Be careful who you're watching on TV. I'll just say that. Amen? And, and what churches you're going to these days. But the reality for us is Job saw how lacking he was, Chris. Job realized how imperfect he was and realized he needed a perfect God. He needed a holy and righteous God to work and move in his life that he might come to where he knew God was. Amen? So here we are. He was perfect and upright. Upright. What does upright mean? Right? We hear that all the time. Amen. I, I jokingly put a thing out on. If y'all, those of you that are on my Facebook pretty much know by now, I'm either all about Jesus Christ, sports, or goofy things on my Facebook feed. That's pretty much how I own coffee. I, I do a lot of coffee stuff. And, uh, or other people do coffee stuff for me. Um, and tag me in them. But earlier this week, there was a joke meme put out about the, the CDC worrying, worrying, worrying about updog and, and updog being, you know, something that we couldn't overcome and, and everything else. And, and I thought that's hilarious. And I shared it. And the reason it's hilarious is, is because all of my life growing up as a youth pastor and a youth leader and this and that and the other, I used to all the time tell our youth, hey, man, go get me some updog so I can finish this. Okay. What's up, dog? I'm like, yeah, what's up, dog? Right? Somebody, somebody still working on that? What's up, dog? Yeah. So, so I'm, I did that joke for years, years and years and years, to the point that even the parents of, of these people uh, were, um, you know, coming to me and they went, up dog, ha, 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 up dog. Right? And, um, and so forth. So, you know, that was hilarious to me. When I saw that, I'm like, this is great. I got to share it. Well, without doubt, there were people who just go all political crazy on it and everything else. And, and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks here in a minute. And, and soon enough that, that it did because, you know, we're just too quick to, to react sometimes. But 
and joking around with all of that, it makes me wonder when we talk about upright, well, what is upright? What does upright really look like? We, we already know that he's perfect, right? Because of, of the power and the gift of God working in his life, right? But what is upright? And I think it's important we break these things down. Upright means that no matter where he went, no matter what he did, no matter what conversations he had, he chose the right thing. He was upright. In his business dealings, and to have all that he had, he had to have business dealings of some types. He was upright. In, in his conversations, regardless of who he had conversations with, he was upright. Right? Everything he did, he presented himself with the authority and the power of heaven in him and behind him. He didn't cheat. He didn't steal. He didn't lie. He didn't do the things that would tear down his reputation. Instead, in all that he did, he chose the godly path. It might have been harder. It might have taken longer. It might have, it might have been enduring. I don't know. But what I know is from the testimony we're given is he chose the right way to do all things. He chose the right way to do all things. And friends... We have those choices to make. God didn't create the hedge, right? Job created the hedge by making the right choices. He made the hedge by being perfect, choosing God and his goodness and his glory and everything, and by being upright, making all of the right choices in all that he did. And one that feared God. Amen. Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom is fear. The beginning of wisdom is is fear. Now, it's not talking about being scared to death, right? Because we all know, right? And we've, we've seen the, the memes and the posts and everything else that 365 times in Scripture, it tells us fear not, right? So that means for 365 days a year, there's a fear not from God that we shouldn't allow fear to, to model our lives for us. Amen? Well, so then why does, why does it tell us that the beginning of wisdom is fear, Amen? Well, if you translate that, amen, it takes us to a place to where that fear means that we respect and honor God. We respect and we honor God and we understand and we realize that the power of God and the glory of God is manifest in His righteousness, It is manifest in his righteousness. And so therefore, it is sent to us and given to us when we choose to honor him. Amen? So what does that mean? And I want you to understand what that looks like, right? Anybody here not tempted ever? Right? Now, this is where someone's going to say in your heart and in your mind, well, now, a few weeks ago, you, you said you weren't tempted anymore. Amen? No, no, no. I just said I wasn't influenced by the same temptations I was influenced by years ago. Amen? And, and, and in my spiritual journey, I have grown, amen, thank the Lord, not of myself, but of His glory. I have grown to a point that Satan still every now and then tries to throw something that got me then that doesn't get me now. And I'm just kind of like, ha, ha, no, dude. I am so far past that. I'm so far past that. Amen? And, and that is a journey I am encouraging you on. I'm not standing up here bragging, but I am encouraging you to a place that you can look at the enemy too and say, no, 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 I'm so far past that. 
that doesn't have a hold on my life anymore. That doesn't have a hold on my spirit anymore. That has no more counsel over my anointing anymore. Amen? And I'm encouraging you to that same place. I'm encouraging you to that same place. Amen? That you can walk upright, not just before God, not just before people, but you can walk upright before the enemy himself. Amen? And blow his mind and intimidate the heck out of him. Because he doesn't understand the power and the glory you're walking in because he chose to give it up. Right? Understand that about our enemy too. He chose to give up what we choose every day to either grab onto or ignore. He chose to give it up. Amen? And so his life now has no hope. It has no promise. It has no virtue. It has no power. It has no glory. His life ends in a ball of flames. Amen? If you will. I know it's a lake of fire. But, but, but his life ends in, in dest- complete destruction. Amen? And through Jesus, God is giving us a way past that. And so when we look behind the hedge, we see that Job is saying... I am not only choosing to be perfect, I'm not only choosing to be upright, but I am choosing to honor God in all of my situations and in all of my circumstances. I am choosing to decrease that he might increase. I am choosing to honor him and fear him so that he consumes who and what I am. Amen. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Job, right? Because I I try hard at this. And some days I get it real good and other days I don't. And I know that's true of you too. But what I'm saying is Job did it. Job reached it. And it tells me that I should be encouraged because I can reach it too. Right? I can reach it too and so can you. Amen? But I've got to honor God in that process. I have got to honor him in that process. I've got to honor his word in that process. I have got to make him first in everything. In everything. Amen? And when, when, and when tempted with this decision or that decision, I am always going to choose him. Amen? And that's how we create a hedge, church. That's how we create a hedge. That's how Job created it. Amen? And that's how we create it. And you say, Jay, man, that sounds great. That sounds great. Man, I, I wish it was possible, but man, you are just so far out there this morning. You're just so far out there. You're challenging us with stuff that, that, that's impossible, and, and even Scripture says it's impossible. No, 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 no. In Scripture, man says it's impossible, right? It's Jesus who says things, or God who says things like, in God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. I've shared this, a few of you have heard me say it, but I'll share it again. I'll never forget years ago, I was somehow home in the middle of the afternoon watching, for some reason, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Everybody remember the Sally show, right? And, and I'm home in the middle of the afternoon, and I'm watching that, and about half paying attention to it. And, and all of a sudden, her first guest leaves, and she brings out a new guest. And, and it's a little girl who was in the news because God had done a big thing in her life. And I don't remember what the big thing God had done, Okay. But, but what really jumped out at me was Sally began to kind of ridicule her and even kind of try to intimidate her. 
and I'm, I'm all puffed up. I'm like, won't you pick on me? Don't pick on that little girl. You pick on me, right? I'm, I'm thinking, man, how indignant for you to pick on a little girl because that's about your size. Pick on me, right? I was, I was just all into the moment, right? And, and so forth. And I will never forget. And this is, this is how we can be fooled sometimes because it wasn't beyond this little girl. It wasn't beyond her at all. Amen. Uh, Luke and I were watching the, the Steelers preseason game last night. And because um, everyone should be Steeler fans, right? It's part of that upright thing. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm waiting for the booze. Um, but here, we were watching a game, and we've, we've got a rookie quarterback who's working his way in. And the kid looks poised. I mean, he looks poised. Our starter literally got bludgeoned with, with uh, uh, blitzes and, and different things and everything else. And, and the rookie comes in, and, man, he just looks calm, cool, collected, and poised. And one of the things that his teammate had said about him earlier in that week is, this isn't above him, right? So many times in life, so many times in circumstances and situations, we step into things that are above us because we haven't spent the time with God in preparation for those moments. We haven't spent the time in scripture. We haven't spent the time in prayer. We haven't spent the time in fasting. And we are ill-prepared to encounter the enemy. Amen? And we lose. We lose. And we lose horribly. And we think it's never within us again because of the devastation that we felt. Amen? The reality is that should be example to us that we need the glory of God in our life and we need to step into its fullness amen so that the next time we're face to face with that booger he's the one that tucks tail and runs amen because the authority of god that lives in our life amen job chose to live that way he chose to live in the fear of god he chose to accept the ridicule of man and accept the ridicule of the world as long as he didn't have the disappointment of god in his life chose that. He chose that. And by doing so, he created a hedge. Amen. And the last thing I want to share with you this morning is that last part of verse one, when it says that he eschewed evil. And, and we, can, we can figure out how we're supposed to say that. Some say it eschewed, eschewed, and, and some say eschewed. Amen. But, but the hick in me is going to say eschewed, right? Chewed. And, and what, do, what does that mean? And if you look that up, and actually there's, there's parts later in Job where it addresses this very thing. There's parts later in Job where it addresses this very saying, and it tells us that Job hated evil. Job hated the idea of doing anything, anything that was outside of the will of God. He even says that it made him physically ill to do things that were outside of the will of God. Amen. This was how serious it was to him. Amen. This is how serious it was to him. And here's the danger. We have been desensitized to so many things in this life. Amen. I'm not, I'm not being political at all because we think everything's political today. But let's just be honest. The things that we thought were sin 30 years ago, right? Most of them are celebrated today, Right? And I'm going to be honest with you, some of, that, some of that was legalism and it was garbage. But some of that was biblical, some of that was biblical and, and driving us to a place of being upright and found in the presence and the power and the honor and glory of God. Amen? And we should not be desensitized to it. If anything, we should put priority to it 
that it takes standing in our life and drive us closer in our relationship with God. Amen. Someone asked me the other day what relationship with God meant. My simple answer was intimacy. Intimacy? And I said, yeah, think about this, right? You get married. What's one of the first things you do after you get married? You become intimate with your spouse, right? And by becoming intimate with your spouse, in the words of Scripture, you know her or him, right? What, what God is saying to that in, to, in us is that through intimacy, we come to a deeper knowledge and a deeper understanding and deeper sensitivity to who that person is and what that person needs and how that person lives and how that person works. So the more intimate we become and the more barriers we take down in our relationships in life, amen, we become more intimate with that human being, amen. And I'm not, you know, I'm, it, that part of intimacy is left for, for the marriage bedroom, right? The other intimacies I'm talking about in your friendships and in your relationships is about coming to a, a spiritual place with one another to where you can edify and encourage and lift one another up. So just make sure you understand what I mean when I say these things. Amen, because I'm not being goofy. But what I'm saying is this. If you don't become intimate with God, and if you don't bring yourself to a place to where His Word and a life of prayer and a life of, of fasting to grow in his presence isn't part of your makeup and routine, then the level of intimacy of someone like Job will never be something you have in your life. It will never be something you have. You will always look at it as a Bible story that has no relationship or significance to you directly. Amen? And, and henceforth... You ain't going to create the kind of hedge that Job had, right? That's why it's important we look behind the hedge. The rest of the story is great, and we have spent years breaking down the rest of the story. But I, I personally, as I was studying this and looking into this, I personally, for the first time in my life, took a step back and man say, hey, if we don't get the hedge, if we don't understand the hedge, if we don't understand the intimate relationship Job had with God, not just, not just forespeak, not just laying the groundwork, not just setting up the story, but if we don't understand the depth that Job had with God and the power that it brought into his life, if we don't get that in verse 1, we won't get the rest of the story. We won't get the rest of the story. Because we need the hedge. I need the hedge in my life. I need the power and the glory of God in my life. I need his truth to lead me and guide me and light my way. Because I'm not smart enough to do it myself. Amen? I need the hedge. I want the hedge. I'm seeking the hedge. And because of an example of a man like Job, I'm learning more and more how to hedge myself and how to hedge my family. Amen. And we're going to get into that next week. We're going to talk about the hedging of the family and all of that next week. But man, verse 1, we got to get it. We, we got to get it and we got to grab onto it. And we've got to be passionate about it. Amen. I don't think Job's Christianity or, or, or godliness or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't think Job's was passive at all. 
I think he was aggressive spiritually. Amen. For himself. I'm not talking about others. But for himself, he was aggressive spiritually. No, I'm not going to turn the TV on. I'm going to listen to Father tonight. No, I'm not going to do this or or, or do that. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to put my nose in the dirt and be reminded what I am and who I am. That I might become less so that he becomes more and empowers me. To a place that I can't even fathom. To a, to a, to a power and an anointing that, that I can't even figure out within myself. That's where I want to step into. That's the hedge and that's the power and that's the glory I want. Amen. Bethany's been talking about revival for weeks. And she gave us the four messages of Haggai last week. And I loved, I loved how she put it. It's not so simple, Right? Right? It's not so minor, is how you said it. Yeah, it's not so minor. Amen? Because we call him a minor prophet, but his messages weren't so minor for us. Amen? And she's been talking about revival with our ladies, and I hope they get stirred up. Amen? I want them to get stirred up. And guys, I hope they challenge us. Amen? I hope they challenge us with their spirituality, that we step into a greater spirituality and a greater power of God and lead our home the way we're meant to lead our home. Amen. We'll spend time with that next week. Is is important because we're going to talk about the kids and we're going to talk about the sacrifices and we're going to talk about the things he does. And we need to understand that our our kids' spirituality, 98% dependent on us. I know when we I know when we put our teachers and faculty members and things out here and we said that they spend more time with them and everything, listen, they're going to get a whole lot of stuff sewed into them. And a lot of it's going to be really good, right? But there's opportunity through peer pressure and and worldliness and everything else like that. There's opportunity that some of it's going to be really bad. Amen? And listen, they need to come home to consistent Christian parents. They need to come home to fervored Christian parents. Amen? And I'm going to be honest with you, and Luke and Courtney will tell you, I'm on them every day. Amen? You set the example now. You set the example now. Amen? You create their desire for a prayer life now. Amen? You create their desire for a spiritual life now. Amen? And, and it is important. And we're going to find. Amen? And, and you say, well, that's none of your business. That's their house. No, 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 no. Job proves to me. And we're going we're to share it with you in a little bit. Amen? That the spiritual development of, of my household... Luke and Isaac and their families, their development is my responsibility as long as I'm walking this earth. Amen. To lead them to spiritual places. Now, you know, what their bills are and what they buy and, and, and how they live and all that kind of stuff. No, that's none of my business. But the spirituality, I am the spiritual father. Amen. Before I'm the paternal father. Right? I'm already starting to preach next week's lesson. Right? Y'all, y'all thinking, man, I'm, my belly's getting hungry. I got to go, man. Save next week for next week, right? <clears throat> we will. We will. But, man, my, my responsibility first, before my, my responsibility is paying the bills and putting food on the table and, and all of that. And, and you know, we, we serve together as, as husband and wife to do those things. Amen? But before that responsibility comes my spiritual responsibility. And, and that comes number one. And, and um, yeah, I'll save that for next week too. Thank you, Lord. 